1: Raging Cajun nation to stand up with us Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand
2: and let's walk through the gates of Omaha hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Alar. Ready! Who's your team
1: ready?
3: Who's that team ready?
1: I got one thing to say right here. Cajuns win! Yeah. Everybody, welcome back to the Raising Review podcast on a victory Thursday night. Cajuns do indeed win. And that was a nice one. Especially when you got Megan losing money talking down on Twitter. What was that about? I, I I thought she was a Louisiana girl. <laughs> she's got she's got purple and puke all over her profile. What was that about? I thought she that, was one of us. That's part of the problem,
4: man. People don't take pride of where they're from. So we're gonna go kiss the ass of the school, you know, 10 miles down the street, instead of supporting the hometown team that you grew up in the same city as that's weak.
1: She lives is what like it is. Broussard, Megan losing money. You'll always be known to me as Megan losing money. And of course I trolled her. Well, she lost Twitter. money
4: tonight. So damn right. She go. did.
1: That's right.
0: Bowing down to that tiger statue,
1: bowing down, but let's not spend too much time on that. Megan losing money is really not important. Um, Great victory. 36-17 over a team that has been scoring on everybody. Couldn't score on us. Uh, This is the defense that we've all known. I mean, when the offense plays complimentary football, this is what we can expect from these guys. Campa Descalo was an absolute monster. If anybody was keeping tabs, that was awesome to watch. Uh, Zion Hill Green didn't quite break the record, but he was a monster in the backfield. Defensive line was awesome. Um, Jordan Quibb, uh, he did come out, it was, I think it was the third quarter. I don't know if he played very much after that. hope he's good. Uh, but Joe Osai made a lot of plays. Uh, the secondary was as good as we we know they can be. Defense overall played fantastic. Gave up 17 to a team that's, again, flirting with that 30 points a game uh, mark. How, what can you say? Coming into this game, Georgia Southern was at the top of the country in third down conversions at 56%. They went two for 14 tonight in the Swamp. So, there's a couple of things that we can jump off of. Uh, Jerry in the stadium, good time. How, you know, I know we you know we reported eleven five or something like that. Not exactly what we expected, but we'll get into the promotions that we talked about today and and yesterday. But before that, uh, the, thoughts on the crowd? I, I thought they were involved at least in the cared. So that's important.
0: But they were involved. They were involved. It was actually pretty loud from where we were sitting. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised by the number. I thought there was a little bit more. I would have said somewhere between 14 and 15,000. You know, the student section, the students showed out a lot better than last week. Um, Was it good enough? I don't want to yank their chains too much and say they could have had a little bit more, but compared to the last few games, uh, it was a lot better. So, you know, we'll talk about the promotions as time goes on, but if there's anything that we got out of this, it's uh plan in advance of the se- plan ahead of the season instead of the last week and a five day turnaround. And you saw what that blitzkrieg of promotions did right away, but pl- it, do, do that type of promotions in may of the the year leading into the football season. And I guarantee you, you will see more people there and that includes on campus as well, but um, just, just a great night tonight. Um, I thought that, I mean, really, all I was thinking was, where was the, where has this team been all year? If this team would have played like this all year, as they did tonight, you you might be looking at a team that's seven and three or eight and two instead of five and five. But I will give credit where credit is due. Um, they didn't quit. The last two games have been very disappointing. A lot of teams fold fold and call it a a season, and they just say, the heck with it, we'll just finish. It's not a big deal. We don't care. This team didn't do that. They came out with a vengeance tonight, and they, and they, they took care of business. And so I'm actually excited to see what they can do going into Florida State next week. I'm actually excited to see if they can become bowl eligible and hopefully make a run. Um, if there's anything I learned about this team tonight is they do not quit in spite of, you know, having the roller coaster ride of the season that they've had so far. And, and what a way to go out for those seniors. Just a great way to finish their careers at, at Cajun Field. Um, couldn't say anything more than that. Just a great game overall. In my opinion, probably the best game, maybe next to Marshall, the best game we've played all year.
4: Well, it's the best. It's the most complete game to me that we absolutely played all season. perfect. No question Perfectly about said. it no question and, and about it th- because we've shown flashes like we 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 dominated ULM for ha- for half a game and then crapped the bed we dominated Troy and then crapped the bed but you this game it never really felt like I was holding my breath even though they they came within two scores where they had to score you know two touchdowns and two um two point conversions i, I never felt like it was an issue because we completely dominated their defense and and I was surprised look I knew they had a poor defense 129 and 130 but we really <laughs> we exposed them tonight and offensively I think again for for Georgia Southern as good as they've been all season for our defense to show up and dominate them a, as much as they did uh was impressive and and look they came out as a team that knows they have to win two games to get to a bowl game and and I don't know if there was a come to Jesus meeting. I don't know if Chris Smith threw his helmet at people after last week's game. I don't know what happened. But the team that came out today, if Kyle's listening, Kyle, call in. Tell us how we pushed him around because he's been waiting for that. He's been waiting for us to push to, to push somebody around, punch him in the mouth. We did that tonight. We showed what we're capable of. And look, Florida State, it, that's going to be a big a big mountain to climb. I'm going to enjoy this game tonight. But I tell you what, if this team comes out against Florida State, it's going to be a fun, competitive game. I'm not going to predict a win. We could win. I expect to win. I guarantee you the guys in the locker room expect to win. But I'm going to enjoy this. I look forward to the next game. And if they play like they did tonight against Florida State, that's going to be fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take a break on the whole attendance thing. Like, we punted last Saturday, I guess, because the other team was playing across the basin. I don't know what the hell went on with promotions there, but if we would have been doing what we did today and yesterday and the day before that, if we'd have been doing that all year, which by the way is how promotions work. It's, it's a cumulative effect. um, I don't know. I don't know what we would have gotten. I don't care what the number is. Hell, I don't even know if they scanned our tickets. I mean, we had four walk in the gate, and I think maybe one got scanned. So whatever. I'm Doesn't over matter. it, man. I'm like, over let, it.
4: I'm over let's it. figure it out next
1: year. This is why I'm over it, because it's over. This, this is the last home game. It's a Thursday night. I'm I'm there to watch football anyway. The only reason I even complain about attendance is because it makes us look bad. Tonight, we're on ESPN2. Uh, at least we sounded somewhat in, into the game as far as our fan base goes our football team showed up and looked like a competent football team what did we, what did we not do well I don't know what Ben's stats are and I, we're probably going to be a little bit more stat heavy in this post game because I know y'all hollered at me last time about not talking about <laughs> the game so we'll talk about stats a little bit more but I mean Kenny kill me Kenny, Kenny is probably your MVP I mean he made big kicks in that second half that really put Georgia Southern behind the eight ball uh Even when they started to move the football, we answered with at least three. So shout out to that entire team, the the, the whole uh, uh, field goal team. They did a fantastic job. So special teams was good. Eric Guerra was good. Kickoff coverage was good. Defense was the defense we've seen all season. This is not a surprise. Offensive line was good, uh, especially in that first half. Uh, I think Chris Smith went went for like 12 carries and 90 yards, something something like that. Uh, Terrence Williams was good. Uh, Washington seemed healthy and and spry. Uh, we looked good. Ben had a couple of keepers around the edge, which we sealed all night long when we needed to. Jacob Bernard was Jacob Bernard. I'm I'm convinced now that Jacob Bernard is probably our most gritty wide receiver on a football team. Uh, raw talent probably goes to a couple of other guys, but as far as grit and making plays happen, I'm looking for Jacob Bernard. I mean, that touchdown catch was fantastic.
0: That's a sports center top 10 play. I mean, I didn't think he kept, I I didn't know he caught it. Like I thought it was a drop. I thought the ball hit the ground and you look at it and he actually caught, he caught it with that dive. Uh,
1: Outstanding effort there. Outstanding effort. And that's what we've always wanted. All we need is that effort. Oh, you look at the defensive line tonight, dominated for three quarters. Mason Narcisse got the fumble. And if he was a little bit faster, may have scored, uh, There's not a whole lot to complain about tonight, outside of the eleven five that they announced. I have have one. What what are you gonna you gonna complain about the Looney Tunes, aren't you?
0: No, I am not. I'm a to well, let you I will. So you go ahead. I'll, you, you, I'll complain you, you about it. You can do that. But I will say this. I, I ran into, I had the chance to meet a few of our listeners uh, at halftime, and it was really cool to, to meet. It's always cool to meet our, our listeners in person, and we had some good conversations. And uh, one of our listeners uh, has a spouse who works for the university, and I'm not going to get too much into detail of where they are, but a particular department had an event tonight going on while at the same time during the game. So... Uh, all I'm going to say about that is not necessarily I'm going to make a complaint, but it goes back to what I said before the season starts. Make sure you know when these games are and make sure you plan around the game or vice versa. Uh, Plan all of this in advance to where you're not running into conflict of debating whether or not you should go to the game or go to these events, especially if it's a campus sponsored event. I hope that the administration has taken a lot of notes and gotten a lot of information based on these attendance numbers. I hope that now they can go into the off season with a fresh slate. Like you said, it's over now. We had our six home games. It's done, but there's a lot of data and there's a lot of sample size to go around to where guys like, you know, our new deputy athletic director, Trey Frazier and a few others who have come in um, to the mix can have to work on going into the off season with, these numbers and with the lack of support that we had this year, because it was disappointing. I'm going to admit it was very disappointing. And I think Lafayette can do better. The university can do better. We can all do better to make Cajun field a dangerous place to play. Um, so hopefully you've got, now we've got eight or nine months to work on that before next season, come up with a plan. Heck start now, start now. And just well,
1: uh, well, the plan is to knock over the tower. That's the plan. You know what my plan is: beat Florida State. Beat Florida that State.
4: That is the, all I care about today. The fight, is the fight Florida State. That's, That's all it. I care about. I don't That's care all I about attendance. I'm Same. tired of talking about attendance. Listen, We're not we that hey, after this we, we, we,
1: we shot our shot last week. We kicked some ass, and maybe it helped, and maybe it didn't. But who cares? We're moving on. We're on to the Fighting Norvels. And and Jerry, before you finish, I'll let you go. Christian, this this is one of the reasons why we need a renovation. I did not get your I, I did not get your uh, your correspondence after I sent you the last response, because I don't have any reception inside the stadium. Because with had, eleven thousand fans, that overruns the yes. <laughs> cell look, towers, look I had I had four koozies for you, and I was gonna give them to you. I, I promise you, I will make that happen. If you if you plan on going to the LSU scrimmage on Sunday, I will be there. Show up, you get your koozies, and uh, and then we'll call it even. So my bad on that. My bad on that. Uh, but again, I, I, I internet service provider and, and, and reception, I can't control. So my bad. But look, you had the stunt dogs tonight, which, which you know the kids loved. The, 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 you know, the older folks loved. The stunt dogs were sick. It was cool. And then we went into the Looney Tunes. Inspector Gadget. We played the exact same show that we played last week. Did it did y'all see?
4: No, I didn't, thankfully, because I was getting drinks at halftime. I told Jerry, I said... And not they're, in the stadium. So. They're, they're <laughs> trolling
1: us. They're trolling us because we made fun of the fact <laughs> that they were playing DuckTales, and they come out right after the stunt dogs. But Jerry's got text messages that he was sending in the group message of LSU fans giving the Cajuns an opportunity on a Lafayette Thursday night. They decided they didn't want to drive across the basin. They were going to go to, to Cajun Field to give them a shot, and they spent 45 minutes in line waiting for beer and popcorn. Now, I personally... Uh, we did good. We we had a so we had soccer earlier this afternoon. We did a pizza uh, for the kids, chopped it up into you know pieces, and we put it in our book our book bag, and they ate on the way there. So we were prepared, so we didn't have to go stand in line for food. But dad got hungry, needed some popcorn. So I went into my secret spot in UD. I show up, no line. I'm like sick. This is gonna take thirty seconds. Walk up to the the concession line, and they say uh i said look, i need some popcorn what size medium we're just gonna have to wait because we got to pop it you're just just gonna have to wait you
4: got better popcorn quicker at my house when i made it for y'all and it was damn good i'm just that's what i mean right now damn good popcorn
1: (laughs) but anyway (laughs) i just sit there for 10 minutes uh literally nobody upstairs literally nobody for 10 minutes but here's the deal and i was in the middle of i was gonna say you know what i'm i'm sending this out i'm sending it out and then i felt bad so i deleted it
4: But I was thinking about it last night and the fact that when you go eat at a nice restaurant, like Ruth's Chris, for instance, let's just go with that because everybody knows what that is. You go to Ruth's Chris, you know what your experience is going to be there every single time. It's going to be people waiting on you hand and foot. It's going to be quick. It's going to be efficient. You're going to get the food exactly how you like it. The drinks are going to be exactly what you expect. And you'll keep going back because you know what you're going to get when you go. The problem is. You never know what you're gonna get when you go to Cajun Field right now. You don't know where you're gonna park. You don't know what the service is gonna be like. You don't know what the concessions are gonna be like. It, it's so inconsistent. We have got to make it a consistent, positive experience. It, because we're not we're not Roots Chris right now. We're Wendy's at at 2, 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Like, it, it, we got to get that right. Before you try to address why people won't come, get that right first. There's got to be conversations had with people and a come to Jesus meeting with the current vendors because it ain't working. They have got to get that right, have a consistent, positive experience, and then you address the attendance issues. Because if you get if you address the attendance issues and get 30,000 people in the stadium and it's an awful experience, guess what's going to happen again? They ain't coming back.
1: Jerry, hit him with the Canes uh, analogy that you hit me. He gave me this yesterday. It was pretty solid. Go ahead. I'm
4: glad it. you t-
0: I'm glad you mentioned I was writing that down. No, you see what Canes does is you know what you're going to get. When you go to Canes, you, it, all it is is chicken fingers. It's chicken fingers and fries, right? Basic, basic. What? it's good quality, it's affordable, and it's consistent. Simple. Good quality, affordable, and consistent. You bring that to Cajun Field every Saturday during the fall season – you're going to get people to go and you're going to get good. It's going to be a good reception. It's like we talked about last night. You got to win the event. Part of winning an event is making sure your popcorn's ready. By the time somebody like Josh comes up and asks for a box of popcorn, you got to make sure you're not waiting 45 minutes in line for a hot beer. You got to wait, make sure that the hot dog Listen, that you get is
1: not dry and green. The ambassador is not waiting 15 minutes for freaking popcorn. He needs it now. <laughs> I'm hungry now. I just went out and scored four goals. I'm t- I, I need it. I'm tired. And I'm hungry. I want it now. Well, again, raising
0: canes, good quality. It's affordable and it's consistent. And that's, that's what it's all about. So, uh yeah, Christian, I had the yeah, that's who I got to meet. I had the chance to speak with Christian and and uh Christian, great conversation tonight. It was a pleasure meeting you. Very, very, very loyal fan. And uh we I told Christian we need more like him. Need more like him. And he had a few others tonight occasion field, two of which, one of which Nick Deal lives in Hattiesburg, came in for the game. Our good friend Andrew Grady, another friend of the pod, came in from Slidell with his brother, who is an old misgrad, by the way on him let him experience the culture a little bit both made round trips one from slidell one from Hattiesburg if those type of fans can do that we definitely could have fans in Acadiana doing the same thing driving 10 minutes instead of two to three and a half hour drive so
4: and shout out to my girl Daryl Lynn, who came from Georgia Southern she's a, a Georgia Southern fan but she's a raging Cajuns fans number two she came down for the game tonight and oh, uh, she she cheers for us. She comes to games even when Georgia State in play or Georgia Southern. Oh, she'll kill me for saying that. Oh, yeah. Georgia Southern. In she comes to a Cajun field. So shout out to her for showing up tonight. Wish I could have made it, but it's been <laughs> stupid.
1: Hey, Brian, Brian, you know, you're on deck. But real quick, uh, Kent LeBlanc saying I talked to someone tonight who works with a construction company that will be doing the Cajun field project. He said, I will still be sitting in my upper deck season ticket next year not close to starting construction yet according to him so lots of questions have been lobbed our way and like we got to be careful but that's an opinion of a person who's connected so take it for what it is uh we're not endorsing one way or the other but I'm not gonna sit here and say that's not the first time I've heard that so but I think that's a perfect
4: opportunity for somebody from the admin to come and address it and and just be upfront with us you know just, be transparent, let us know what to expect, and then things will simmer down. But if, if we keep this thing up where, well, rumors are going, we're going to tear it down, and then we don't, and then people get pissed off, that's where, that's where things you know negative happen. So we, don't we want positivity. Another... Let's How go. often
1: do we talk about messaging? you got to get the message right. If it's not going to be next year, you've already told Upper Deck that they're not going to be sitting in their spots next year. we got to get it right. We've we got don't... to get the message right.
0: We don't want another baseball debacle. We don't want that again.
1: Yikes. That was awful. Not good. Brian. Not good. Thanks for requesting to speak, sir. It is all yours.
5: All right. Well, I've been listening to the pod for a long time. I usually don't speak, but I have a few times. But you just hit on what I was going to ask. But first, what a game, right? What a game. Great game. we We play like that we got a chance to beat Florida State at Florida State. I agree. That's number one. Two was going to be my question. I'm an RCAF member. I have season tickets. I go to all the games. When is the demolition going to start on the new stadium? For two years, they've strung us along. We're ready for it.
1: To me, when you send out emails to people saying that they're going to be displaced, you're on the brink. You're on the precipice. I don't think it's unfair to start getting some answers for that. Uh, and we're trying. We're, we're, we're actively trying to get some answers. And when we have them, we will give them to you all. But Brian's not wrong. Um, when you tell people they're going to be displaced, you got to give them an answer after that.
4: But it's not even two years. We've been talking about this, I feel like, for 10 like before the yeah. before the baseball stadium was even in, in in discussions like we there were renderings out we had a we yeah. had crazy wind, renderings of like uh some kind of village out connecting Cajun boulevard and and apartments and so i get that 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 all won't happen and that was like a, a dream scenario but we've been looking at renderings for over 10 years we need an update and a substantial one and again, just be transparent. Just tell us what's going on so we know what to expect. Don't try to sugarcoat things. Be honest.
1: And and that would help. That would go a long way with our fan base. And it's not unreasonable. Like you told us, administration and university, you told us this was coming. And we've been we've been having this conversation. I mean, this has been a, a regular conversation among Cajun fans for, like you said, almost a decade. Jerry and I were we already had our concept for McNaspey's restaurant, bar and grill. Well, we already had it drawn out and everything. It was going to be right across the street. So so this has been going on a long time. Uh, Brian, we'll give you the last word before you go, sir. And then uh, if you have anything else, we'd we'd love to hear it.
5: No, I'm just saying, man, congratulations to all the seniors tonight. What a game. What a way to go out for Cajun Nation. We appreciate every senior. And that's it.
1: Thanks for chiming in, Brian. And you nailed it. Uh, I mean, where we where would we be without this class of seniors? Uh they've been spectacular.
4: And man, Zion was so close to that ta- half, he needed Couple half times. a tackle. I know. And man. He, he had the guy in his grasp, and somehow he got away. So um, he'll get it, obviously. It's just it sucks that it couldn't be in
1: front of a home crowd. I Agree. Terry, how are you, Terry? I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good man uh hey
6: we won uh wasn't a, in front of like a huge crowd but i mean hey i'm i'm happy with the win so i'm feeling pretty good man feeling pretty good
1: talk so, to me about the offensive line tonight
6: uh, everything went good I, I saw them establish the line of scrimmage i saw i was more impressed with the running backs after the first contact getting yards after contact that's what I was more happy about. And if you look at the play, like, here's what I was—I've been screaming about using Lance Brejean in the run game forever since he's been on the team. And you don't really need to do that when you run up the middle and it works. I don't mind running up the middle when you get five, four yards to carry every time. Running up the middle is fine with me, so long as it works. I don't care to be flashy. I mean I would like for us if we're gonna use Lance, don't use him just on a halfback pass that doesn't for like a, I'm sorry, a backwards pass or something that doesn't work. He has to throw the ball away and a I don't know, a ten yard false start. <laughs> but you know, the, but it really wasn't the offensive line that really impressed me. It was the running back getting yards up the contact. That's what mostly impressed
7: me today with the run back. But Terry, that
6: was that
4: was one of the funnest False starts I've ever seen in my life. That was one of the Dude, the most was, entertaining. I'm telling you.
6: <laughs> <laughs> so give him credit and, and for they, that. They blew the whistle. Wait.
1: Yeah, man. Hey, uh, so, even so, though yeah. even though it didn't work, I really did like the the pass back to Legendre and you know the fact that he was looking to throw the football. I mean, at least it tells me they're thinking right. I, I can live yeah. with it. And maybe if we're down by twenty, I don't feel the same way. But we mostly controlled the line of scrimmage. I was fine with the, And this was coming off of, like, it was right after they threw the halfback touchdown. So, yep. I got, I'm got. i going to give credit to the offensive game plan and the offensive creativity there. Even though it didn't work, I like that they're thinking.
6: Yeah. Uh, maybe the red zone play calling could have a little bit better uh, on that fourth down that uh, Ben had to roll out and throw it away. But I, I was overall impressed with the offense, offensive uh, game plan, run game. Ben, ben played well, aside from that interception. Which I mean, it was already gonna be like they already had to drive the length of the field, so I wasn't really mad at it. It was, it was fourth down, so it, it was whatever. Um, and as far as like I mean, yeah, uh, as far as like the ESPN broadcast, they they have uh, God, ESPN just sucks, man. They calling Georgia Southern, Georgia State, They're it's still so calling bad. calling it? It's it's very very aggravating. I, I don't, what, what intern is running this this crap? I don't understand. Though. I,
1: who was the broadcasters tonight?
6: Uh, I I couldn't tell you their names. I, I know one went to UCLA as a tight end. That's the only one I couldn't honestly tell you. They, they were okay. They didn't. They they mentioned Billy Napier's name once. That was really nice. Definitely one time. Five five um
4: five shots of uh, O and his girl down on the field.
6: Oh yeah, bro. I took oh, a shot there, every dude? time they saw God. it. So yes, he was we're the we're the, fight, we're the raging oron <laughs> according to ESPN. that's what our name should be there. wow <laughs> Hell no. i'm gonna
1: fight somebody absolutely not <laughs> no they
6: didn't they didn't really say that they didn't really say that but but i mean every time so he's fun. on the
1: damn sideline that's all they want to look at it's so aggravating
6: it is it is
1: man uh man. I, I got so much respect for Georgia southern i'm happy we
6: beat them i mean i've always had a respect for them uh i, I think it's very uh very cool to in the conference and to beat them. Uh, their tradition. I was always mad when I was a senior. We couldn't beat them uh, for a conference championship game because there was no conference championship game my senior year. We had one loss to App, and they were undefeated in conference their first year in, and that always kind of irked me. And I always felt some type of way. So any win over them is a good one. None, none against them. It's not like a Kobe Carolina situation, but I, I love playing those uh, that type of game.
1: Terry, was play. that was that the year they came to Lafayette and clapped us like twenty yeah. nothing? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was – Oh, yeah, that was that's a, one of the – in my lifetime, yeah. that's one of the most annoying. Outside of losing to Idaho at home – do you guys remember losing to Idaho and getting just murdered? No, that's not a
4: lobotomy to try oh, to
6: forget that,
1: yeah. actually. Oh, my God. So, that at that app game when we were trying to win a conference championship, that that pissed me off. Yeah,
6: Yeah. So, so yeah, and they always talk about, yeah, we went under the conference. Like, man, because you didn't play us. You didn't play us. Like, I, I, very, I, I very much so – uh very actively about that, but it is what it is. So, hey. Tonight was
1: ours, though. Hey, I'll take it. We needed it. Uh, talk about the team from your point of view, and obviously, I like to talk about to talk, ask questions for people who watch TV. Uh, it's a little bit of a different perspective, but and especially you being a former player, coming off of that game that you just lost to Troy, the way you lost it four days ago, what a hell of a mm-hmm. bounce back, right? I mean, the psyche of a player. I know it's probably easier for these guys to let things go, they're a little bit younger. They have less stress in their lives, whatever. But but are you impressed by the the fact that they were able to just move on and win like this? I mean, that was a dominating performance. And if you take away the, the fourth quarter of Troy, we've dominated yep. two good football teams for six of the last or seven of the last eight quarters.
6: I can't tell you, Matt, it's so easy to lose a, a locker room. It is so easy. Like I can remember you know, guys. After we lost, uh, who was it? We we lost to the ULM. Back against ULM, and back against the Southout. Going into the bowl game, and we were like kind of like we, we, we were kind of hurt, like uh, emotionally, like you know, like psychologically. That and we and that was still a eight and four regular season, right? And so you can easily lose a locker room, especially after the type of season this has. Man, I was so impressed with the energy on the sideline. That first touchdown to uh, to Johnson. Oh, sorry, Jefferson. Uh, wait, what? Sorry, who was who, who was it? Was Johnson or Jefferson? I can't remember. Uh,
1: I think it was MJ. That, was that first touchdown pass.
6: Yeah. Yeah, That's I cannot remember. Yep.
1: Was it? Um, but that first touchdown
6: that sparked. I think the team, and we just didn't look back. So, so yeah, man. Like, I'm just so happy that everybody's ready to bounce back. Chris Hill ran like. I'm sorry, I got to say, Chris Smith ran like he was angry. <laughs> He, he 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 ran like there was like
1: a, a he ran he he ran like the way that he ended the Troy game because I'm telling you yep. T he was irate and I, like I, I said I rewatch that yeah I watched the end of the game so re-watched you saw it how he reacted. oh dude he yep he lost his mind absolutely lost his mind yep. and I, as a fan as an emotional fan that's the kind of stuff you want to see I, I need I need yep. to see that emotion out of the players that I root hard for so uh, I'm not surprised by how he, how he ran today. So, Kent uh, Kent said that it was John Stevens Jr. who had that first touchdown. So, (laughs) that's that's my bad. You're right. Yeah. mm -hmm. Jacob Jacob wants to know, uh, Terry, are you giving the coaches credit?
6: Oh, yeah, of course. Like, I I will, of course. Um, Dez called a good game. Like I said, I don't care if you're flashy and it works, but if you're dull and it works, Keep doing the dull stuff. Sure. What I don't like is when you get away from what works, What, which is I'm mad about the, at the end of the Troy game. The run game was working. Ben was hurt. Why are we throwing the football? That was what I was mad about it in the Troy game. And that game was lost through the offensive of play calling. And and, and Dez, no, Dez is a smart guy. I, I'm a huge Dez fan. I don't want Dez to lose any games. I don't want to cheer for him. He's an awesome guy. But you got to call state to state. And when he's doing bad, you gotta say that he did a bad job last week. And to this day and today, he did great. But also it came down to execution. Like if, if you're gonna be dull all the time, players gotta execute. The O line's gotta make a block. Like receivers gotta catch. You know, the quarterback's gotta make a great right read, right? Uh you know what I'm saying? We're not, you know, doing triple option stuff, flashing the ball going everywhere you wear and and and, a, and just does nothing. I don't care about that. Just execute the game plan you but I, I feel like so, yeah, Terry, of course I, you-
4: I don't know if you saw what I saw but those first couple drives the play calling was immaculate like it was on point and I think that gave us that put us in a position to to really you know put pressure on on Georgia Southern early and it wasn't bland mm-hmm. I mean it was really really good play calling from the start and I think that's really what got us got us off to such a great start tonight
6: yeah. To, to me, I don't really judge. Of course, like I look at the first few drives, but the first few drives are scripted, right? What goes into if you're a really good coach or not or play call or not is when the first two or three drives are over, what do you do now? Because now the other team has to adjust. Are you going to adjust to their adjustment? Like that's what I was, of course. Yeah. The first few uh, drives were really good, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I was more impressed with later on how the game was called and executed. That was what I was thinking.
1: I agree hundred percent with that. Like I said, the fact that they were able to be more creative and it felt like they trusted some of what was going on because of the execution, because of the offensive line play. You could tell that mm-hmm. they were they were willing to take more chances. And and look, Ben made some big time throws, but he also missed a couple of guys. And mm-hmm. there's some people saying that he he looked like he was hurt in that second half, and maybe he was. Um there was a pass to, to Terrence Williams that wasn't great, yeah. but it was an easy first down on third and four or five uh, going towards the south end zone where you'd like to see him put a little more touch on that, but it's, it's razor thin. It's small mistakes mm-hmm. that I'm really not going to kill him over. It's, I still think Ben's playing good, good football. He's playing high-caliber football, like winning football. And Josh, let's uh, yep. go back to what Dante said. He he said,
4: if it hits you in the hands, you catch gotta it. catch. And there was, and look, yep. Ben Ben was off on a couple of throws tonight, but it hit him, still hit him in the hands, sure. and they had an opportunity to come down with it. We so, still
1: dropped Nick to your point. We still dropped. Like I know that Peter dropped a ball, John dropped a ball, yep. Meagle dropped a ball. Uh, if you want to say that Terrence dropped a ball, I mean that's four right there. I don't know what his stats are, and we'll bring him up later. But there's, I've been saying this all year. Jerry, to your point about the wide receiver crew, where you rank them in your preseason units, it's been a little bit underwhelming. I mean, that's the truth. They haven't helped them a whole lot. They're not going out there making circus catches. I mean, we don't expect that, but I expect you to extend and catch the football with your hands from time to time. You know, I don't think that's too much to ask. Terry, appreciate you chiming in, man. Uh, stick around. I know you probably have more to say. I'm, I'm reading the questions and just laughing so hard at these people. Uh, I'm here all night. All right, man. Thanks a lot. No problem. Cajun Chuck, holler at your boy. Hey
7: guys, how are you?
1: Good, man. Glad you can chime in tonight.
7: Yeah, sorry. I've kind of been absent work assignments here up in the old, good old nation's capital,
1: but. Well, you need to quit that that damn job. Watch the Cajuns. I know. I, I, I got two
7: years left. I need a pension, you know? (laughs) Hey, um, I have a quick question, though. Um, Is is it that Mike is first-time head coach with limited experience? Um, Is there going to be a play caller, an offensive coordinator brought in, or is he able to handle? I'm just curious because I I watch them on. I watch them every Saturday or whenever they're on. I watch the games. And I, I just, I, you guys would know better than me. I'm, I'm just curious because, uh, I mean, I love the guy. I think he's a great hire. I think he's going to be there 25 years, and he's going to get everything straightened out and all that nonsense. But um, I, I'm just wondering if it's too much if he's doing the, the Napier thing as he was the uh, play caller for, you know, had experience with play caller uh at other programs and came in it does does any of this make sense uh is there any idea where he could just like run the program and have someone else come in or uh because i get frustrated with play calling a lot um uh, i did at napier too oh god i used to get so frustrated Nick appear. That's because he was but a terrible I, play caller.
1: I, Let's call a spade. Yes, you want to talk about calling a spade a spade? I think Billy's a, a fantastic program builder. I think he's a C-minus yeah. play caller. Always have said that. I, I said I, that his entire career here, and Jerry will tell you. I, I used to call Jerry on you know, the phone and say, what the hell is he doing? Like This is this is just I, terrible.
7: I, I, I totally 100% agree with you. Um, and he's proven that over at Florida, too. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, you know, though, but I, I'm just I'm just curious of what you guys that are at the actual games that I can't be at that that you see is it is it too much for Mike to handle being so young and and being a head coach of a you know I mean he was handed like a Ferrari and I understand this season has kind of it, it's been disappointing or whatever. And I kind of expected it with the turnover and how we uh, basically Billy kind of effed us. <laughs> and I, I, I'm I'm just kind of curious about uh, how you guys see the offense going forward if uh, if there might be a coordinator brought in or if you guys are comfortable with him calling plays or I know the line is is a, is a rebuild and everything like that and. But I mean, tonight. Uh, let me let me speak positively about my my university that I graduated from. Um, hell of a game, guys! I I love this team. I love the seniors. Um, I support them. I donate every month. I I do what I can, being so far away. Um, I, and I just you know I I blush with Cajun pride. Um, And I spread the word as much as I can up here and shit all of my car. I've got flags flying outside my house, Um, all that other junk going on. But um, anyway, I just want your thoughts about like maybe bringing in uh, a play caller so he can focus in on like the head coaching, running the program, or if that's an absolute you know, disaster of a question. I'm, 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 I'm sorry for being stupid. I'm just, no, that's, I want your input guys. It's not a disaster of a question.
1: No. Um, so what I'll first say, Chuck, is that first of all, you're an awesome fan. We follow you on social media. You do a great job spreading the, the raging Cajun flair all over the DMV. So continue to do that. That's number one. Number two, don't get me started on Napier. Don't get me started. Number three, (laughs) number three, what you're asking is fair. You have a guy that's, a he's in a position that, again, he's not a young guy per se, but he's a young head coach, right? So right. people forget that he's been at the coaching conventions the last seven years. He's coached under HUD. He's coached under uh Bustle. Excuse me, not Bustle. He played for Bustle, coached under HUD, and then obviously coached under Billy Napier with the pedigree that we all knew, right? He's been a right. high school coach. Right. And if you look at the people that have been extremely successful throughout college football, they've all been high school head coaches. So keep that in mind when you talk about him being maybe an experienced head coach, all those things are very, very important. I'm going to kick it to Jerry or Nick. uh, One of you guys can take it on the idea of, you know, just giving Des the autonomy to just run the football team rather than running the football team and uh, calling plays, because I think it's a fair question. I, Rather, whether I agree or disagree, I think it's a fair question for people to ask because it's yeah, something that I, it, it's part of the learning curve, right? There's always going to be a learning curve. When you add more to the plate, I don't know, maybe something lost in translation. Maybe there's a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe you get a little overwhelmed. I don't know. I,
7: I, 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 I and I, I, I love him. So I, I was there from 94 to 2001. So I was, there at the end of the Delone Soakley area, I was there at the A&M victory and it was great and awesome and, and all that. And, and then when, you know, I got my job up here in DC, I was, I was watching them whenever they were on TV. And I remember watching them against LSU. And then we should have won that game. We turned the ball over like five times in the red zone. Uh, Roy, uh, Jerry Babb was the quarterback Desmo was you know a special teams player and all that stuff and I, I I love the guy and I think he's a great fit I just I just wonder because I I say he's young but I know he's not young in football but is it like is he uh, like just run the program and have someone else run the offense I, I I'm not I'm not bashing the guy. I support him. I've put it out on Twitter. He'll be there for 25 years. They'll build statues of the guy. And and they will. I uh, have full faith in that.
1: Um they will. They're getting their feet wet. And they're getting their feet wet. Don't, and don't don't um, don't apologize for asking a good question. Nick, uh, hey Chuck, by the way, ch- thanks for checking in. We're going to answer your question and then we'll move on. Uh Nick, thoughts on the question? I think it's fair.
4: Yeah, it is fair. And look, I There have been times where we've questioned coaching on both sides of the ball and we've coached, we've questioned decisions on both sides of the ball. I feel like I'm less, I feel like I'm less frustrated this year with play calling on the offensive line than I have been in the last three or four. And I'm not saying that Napier didn't call a good game. I'm not saying that. I mean, obviously the, the uh, results speak for themselves, but I think you've got, And I think in five years, it's all going to come out exactly how affected we were by the Napier leaving scenario. Because I think we we all under I don't think we all underestimated how big of an impact that would be on how things played out. I think we were just so optimistic on we can get through this. We got Des, we got Lamar, you know, we can figure it out. We still got Munoz and we still got, you know, some of the guys still and some of the core players but I think we underestimated really what how big of an effect that would have on us this year so I'm not going to question yet play calling I think again I think I've been frustrated at in some games at at some of the plays that were called at particular times in the game like you're you're up by 17 and and you go you haven't had success running the ball and then you you run it up the middle three times and punt like that to me is frustrating but Again, there's a method to the madness that I don't understand the X's and O's in. So I'm, I'll go back to saying what I said. I'm not as frustrated with play calling this season as much as I have been in the past few seasons. Now, again, results speak for themselves. We were very successful. But was that... A credit to our offensive play calling or our defensive play calling with Tony as defensive coordinator Was that a, a testament to the the talent we had on the offensive line and on defense? You have to kind of put all that together So I think we're a little spoiled with with all the NFL talent that we've had on the roster over the last three to four years And when you pull game-changing guys out of the program and an entire coaching and support staff, it's going to hurt you, and I think that hurt us more than the play-calling decisions that we're making. So that's just my take on it. I think in all of this, Mike's
0: still getting adjusted to being a college head coach. And with it's all of that— It's not just Mike,
1: though. It's not just Mike. We've got an entire staff learning how to do their job. Right. And players I, n- learning how to play for them.
0: Well, well, also, too, to his staff, you've got a lot of first-time position coaches, guys who were just analysts a few years ago or or, or grad assistance a few years ago getting promoted. So you got to include that with Des being ahead adjusting to being a head coach. This is a new experience for a lot of people on this team. I think as far as the play calling goes, I, you know, that's not something that's as much of a big deal for me, actually, to be honest with you outside of a few decisions, I think Mike calls decent games. Um, you know, if there's one, you know, there's sometimes Mike, he likes to take chances. I mean, like today, he took a chance, you know, fourth and goal from the three. You take, I, I would have taken the points. Uh, you know, I don't know if he's really as analytical as Billy was. Billy went by the book. I mean, it was strictly by the book based on analytics. Mike is more of a, let's, see, let me get a feel for this more Man, than than
1: analytics. Right. Analytics, analytics. Napier was a great coach. I'm, I'm going to tell you, again, program builder. Not of a great course. play caller. Just wasn't, dude. Well,
0: I think as far as the play calling duties go, I mean, you've seen a look. There's a lot of coaches out there who don't have experience as head coach who still call plays. I mean, the the most prominent one, uh, even at the NFL level, was Sean Payton. Sean Payton called all of the plays. He basically ran the offense. Uh, now, granted, he was an OC before, and I know uh, Des was a co OC last year, but I think as far as play calling, I, as long as as long as you know the situations and remember here's another common denominator. I want to let people know about a lot of your play callers are former quarterbacks. I mean, the ones we all look, Billy was a former quarterback. Des was a former quarterback. Sean Payton was a former quarterback. You look at a lot of these coaches now who are head coaches who call plays. A lot of them were quarterbacks. So they understand, the dynamics of how an offense is run as opposed to, say, somebody else who wasn't a quarterback. Actually, a lot of your OCs, a lot of your good OCs at the collegiate level were former quarterbacks. So that's another dynamic of the game itself that you know people look at and say, well, okay, even though he's a head coach, it's more of a burden. But a lot of that's second nature to some of these coaches. And I would think that would be second nature to Dez as well. Um, If there's any concern about that, I would say maybe him... If there was any concern that I would have about Dez, I will say that he and his coaching staff, I'm sure there's moments this year where they might've felt overwhelmed. Uh, You know, with, 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 with new jobs comes new territories, comes new responsibilities, comes new expectations or higher, higher expectations. And when you're new at it, it can be overwhelming at times. I wouldn't be surprised if they were a little overwhelmed. That's not a bad thing. It's just a learning experience. It's a learning curve that this coaching staff and this team is really adjusting to. But if, they can continue to overcome those obstacles and overcome those new experiences. Like what we saw tonight in the long run, they're going to be fine. You just have to work out the kinks, right? I think that's one of those situations where as time goes on, I think they will learn and I think they will get better. But uh, as far as the play calling duties with Des, I know a lot of people have kind of questioned it and why, you know, is he taking this, this burden? Look, Billy called plays his first year too. Now, granted, like you said, Josh, he's not a perfect play caller. But he still won games for us,
1: and he it got he, him a job at Florida. So he went 50-50. Yeah, he went seven and seven. Which, by the way, anybody want to take a guess what Dez is? He's five and five. And to Kent's point, um, to, to Kent's point, here's the thing. Yeah, I think we're more talented than Troy, South Al, and Southern Miss. I really do think that. But I also understand that people getting key snaps, they they didn't have to have those key snaps under their their belt last year because they had. Farad Gardner and they had Percy Butler and they had, you know, uh, Makai Gardner, who was young, but was incredibly talented. They had a Levi Lewis, a five-year, well, five-year player, four-year starter. They had a lot of these COVID seniors that had been here forever. Like, I understand that the talent is there. And I, I do also think that the character and the leadership from, from a locker room standpoint is there. But a lot of these guys are seeing snaps for the first time as the guy. Like, look at Quib. Quib is an awesome player, great effort guy, motor guy. Is Quib as talented as Farad? I don't know. But I promise you he didn't take as many many meaningful snaps in big-time games as Farad did or McCaskill did. That's just a fact. And, again, we got a lot of NFL guys that came off of those Hudspeth teams. And Billy walked into that. Did, did they help did they help to develop them? Sure. Sure they did. But they went seven and seven and lost to Coastal Carolina with Carpenter, by the way, as a freshman quarterback at, at Cajun Field, where we were way better than them, way more talented than, than them at that point. He finished seven and seven. We're five and five. So if you if 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 history is any teacher, we're kind of tracking. Do I think we should be eight and two, seven and three right now? Absolutely. I really do. But I also thought that Billy should have beat Coastal Carolina. And in 2018, we lost another game that we should not have. Was it? Was it Georgia Southern? I don't want to get bogged down, but there, there's always going to be games that we should win. I, I, my question before anybody else asks a question, my question here is this: Does anybody watch our games and think we're getting worse?
7: No, My, my I, whole point. I don't I'm think sorry, we're getting worse. Go ahead, Chuck. No, I, I I'm sorry, and, and I'll end it here, guys. Uh, first of all you guys are awesome you guys are kick-ass i i listen to you at 4 a.m when i'm going into work or whenever i'm traveling and uh can get an earpiece in and listen to a podcast when i'm supposed to be doing work up uh, anyway um i i totally agree with you uh napier seven and seven um uh, Mike's getting his feet wet, and the staff is getting their feet wet. So I, You know, these are things that I forget um, over this success. And me touting this here in D.C. By the way, I remind all my commander friends here in D.C., by the way, you're uh, a raging Cajun won you a game by getting a muff punt, just so you know.
1: Damn right.
7: Uh, Percy and, P. Uh, And, by the way, Brian Mitchell is on the radio here from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. every day, just loving the Cajuns. It's awesome. Um, Anyway, with that said, thank you again, guys, for doing what you do. I know you put your, your own time, own money, and everything into this. This is awesome. Keep it going. I'll keep doing what I can do up here to build it and supporting, and my donations will come in every month, win or lose. Joe Cajuns, great basketball win the other night, and uh, baseball's going to go to Omaha. Joe Cajuns, love you guys. Have a good night.
1: Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate that. Always uh, tell you what, get Brian to hit us up, and we can get Brian on the show. That would be fun. Um, the other thing is that, you know, Kent obviously knows what he's talking about, but let me, let me just make an analogy. Sometimes when you have people that investigate car accidents, right, the worst – uh, witness is the person that's in the car accident because they're too close. And I'm not saying that Kent's not smart enough to understand the difference. I know that they've been around the program for a long time. What I'm saying is, is that when you're invested and you're very, very close, it's very hard to remove yourself emotionally. Again, we're five and five. Should we have one, two or three more games? A hundred percent agree with that. I agree with it. Mike agrees with it. And you guys know that I, I showed you, you know, the conversation, Mike knows we should be better Record-wise, than we are. At the same time, at no point do I ever watch a game and think, "Oh, we're getting worse." I I give a lot of credit to Coach Jeff Norwood. This is an offensive line that has learned on the fly, dealt with injuries, dealt with shuffling. Jacks, what we all thought was their best offensive lineman, has been out the last couple games. They've only gotten better. We we have got to highlight that. That's a big deal. You can't do anything without an an offensive line. We saw that against Rice right, ULM, uh, to a certain degree, Southeastern. These are things that you, you you can't look past. And credit to Lamar Morgan, learning on the job. This defense has been reliable every week, just like we thought they might. The linebacking crew has been developed. They continue to make big plays. Jordan Quibb has been the leader you expected him to be. And that secondary has done everything they were, were expected to do outside of the Frank Gore toss. I'm not ever going to forget that because I still can't believe that that happened. Um, but, but outside of that, at no point do I feel like we're getting worse. If there's ever a time where I feel like we're getting worse, then I'm going to come on here and say, okay, we have a problem. But I think we're, if we're being honest, all of us, we can't judge Mike on year one. We can't judge Lamar Morgan on year one. We can't judge a lot of these guys. Tim's a new OC, and I know he's basically a passing game coordinator, but you can't judge these guys. I mean, a lot of these guys are learning on the fly. A lot a, a lot of our coaches are similar to our talented players. They've never been the guy. They've never been, you know, all eyes on me in a big moment. You know, you go into halftime, make adjustments, and everybody's staring at you like, that's a that's a tough spot to be in if it's your first time or you're, you know, a few times. I think we've gotten better as a staff. I think we've gotten better as a football team. It's the, the talent is obviously there. We all know that. And then the other thing is that are we going to keep recruiting? That's the other thing. But right now what we're seeing, I mean, guys, we just came off of a tough loss, a game we never should have lost, probably two of those, and then we we dominated Georgia Southern, who's a good football team, and they can score points. And the defense was every bit as good as we thought they would be. So that's where we're at. Uh, does Mike need to hire an OC? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question yet. Um, am I down on the hire? No, hell no. I'm not. I'm going to go down with that ship until there's actually a reason to question it. Hey,
4: Josh, we have a uh, caller on the line. You ready for it? I'm always ready. All right, Jim, go ahead. You're on, man.
3: Okay, guys, two questions. Uh, I had one question, but since Josh, I got another question since Josh was talking about what he's just talking about. First question is this. Um, First question about the invisible man, and that is receiver number 29. Why is he not used like he was in the past? Billy Napier obviously used number 29 different than Desimo. If you remember Iowa State, Ohio, Appalachian State a few games, the kid has had several games with deep balls thrown to him over his career. Why is Peter LeBlanc not used deep anymore?
1: Nick, you want to take that? Anybody want to take that? I, I have an answer, but you guys are more than welcome. Anybody
3: have any idea why he's why he not used like he was – with Billy Napier this year? That's a great question. I had one deep ball thrown to him all year.
4: No, I'm going to defer to you, Josh.
3: His career, career, he's had several deep balls thrown to him. I mean, he's had several deep balls his career. Why is he not used like that anymore?
1: So this is the Uh, Similar to Dante Fleming, he was a young receiver when we had the cluster injuries on wide receiver uh, core going into 2020. Right? 2020, not 2019. Okay, 2020. He was used because he had to be used. And yes, he did make plays. I'm not going to say he didn't, and it was impressive as a young, a young player. Since then,
3: right? I think he came in in 2019. He started ever since.
1: Yeah, he started ever since. But I'm talking about specific to the 2020 season when we beat Iowa State, because that's when he really got featured. I know he played some as a freshman, but he was featured his sophomore year or his redshirt freshman year, whatever it was. Um, he's been he's had multiple groin injuries. And Kent, by all means, feel free to chime in and tell me I'm wrong. He's had multiple groin injuries. He's had other injuries. Uh, I think he had a concussion in 2021, uh, and that took a little bit to to recover from. Since then, the rest of the wide receiver core has filled roles. And sometimes when guys are rolling, you got to give them the football. And let's be honest, he hasn't been that guy since he's gotten his opportunities. He's dropped some passes. He hasn't been as good as he was when he's relied on to make plays uh, as he was when he was a younger, a younger player. That's just the bottom line. And again, I'll I'll go back to what Gerald said. Gerald Broussard said, when young players are relied upon and they make big plays, they kind of just expect to play and they kind of just expect to be part of the game plan. That's a learning curve. That is something that you have to get over. You still got to show up and work. Nobody is entitled to that, that playing time or those opportunities. So if he's not working hard, and I'm not saying he's not, I'm just, I'm saying if, if he's not working hard to earn those minutes and earn those snaps and earn those opportunities, and other guys are stepping up if he doesn't fit the game plan also. Things have changed with Mike. Things are different. We've got some mismatches on the outside that weren't necessarily there when Peter was a younger player. John Stevens is, what, six, seven, MJ six 6'4", an NFL talent. They're going to get the lion's right. share of the reps. So all of those things combined, Jim, I, I think are, are see, probably do, the do reason. You, do you see that?
3: Do you see that Ben looks at maybe one receiver and maybe not survey the field as much as Levi did? That's what I kind of see.
1: Well, I think that he, like, first I, of all, to me first of all, like there's a reason ben why he's a transfer. Snap, he's- yeah, so I, I would say that there's a reason why he's a transfer. And Levi had two options. I mean, Billy taught him two options. It, that that was the game plan. We know that for a fact. It was either hot route, one or two. There were, there were no progressions with Levi. It was one, two, take off. That's it. So yeah, I think Ben is he he does fall in love with a couple of guys, but I also think he trusts a few folks, especially when you're I mean again, we're 5 and 5. And I also
4: think Ben has gotten better with spreading the ball around as we, I agree with that. as we've gone through the season. Yep. But yes, I I will say he has had his his favorite receiver through the first couple of games that he started, but I think he's getting better at that at spreading the ball around, and I think that's that's part of our success tonight is that he was able to to look off coverage and and get it to get it to different guys tonight. Um, so I think he's gotten better in that regard.
0: And I also think too to, to right. Ben's credit, what one thing that Ben's been able to do is his pocket presence. He's been he's the more he plays, the more patient he looks in the pocket, which gives him more time to look downfield right. instead of being a one check uh, one check quarterback. I mean, if you notice tonight, even in even against Arkansas State, it was Arkansas State. I noticed like he threw to like. Two or three different tight ends. He threw to like four or five different receivers. He threw he threw some some short passes in the flat to to pretty much two or three of his running backs. And I, I want think,
1: to say Jerry, it was eleven
3: different. He receivers does. Like yeah. he's looking at those guys from the, the first. So it doesn't look like he's he looks like he's looking at those guys from the snap though. Not that he's checking off and like that's the way he's going from the beginning. But here's my other question: You guys are just talking about the offense coordinator. We all been with the Cajuns long before Des and Napier and even Hud. We've been since bustling before, right?
1: Mhm.
3: Yes. So if you had to if you had to peg an offensive coordinator on this staff, and you had to say Leje or Muñoz, who would you pick?
1: Muñoz.
0: Muñoz. 100% Muñoz. Muñoz, right? Yep. Muñoz. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. That's what I'd say that too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think
3: Munoz, just his resume would be
1: a better coordinator. Well, that, and, and I, he was a younger coach yeah, under should, muscle. Should we all agree on that? But M- Munoz, first of all, he's a national yeah. champion. But, but second this of all. his
3: resume. Just his resume.
1: Two, two of the oh, yeah, most absolutely. brilliant offensive minds we've ever had here and I've ever spoken to is George Munoz and Jay Johnson. Right. Those those two guys I respect immensely.
3: But Oh, Jay Johnson, yeah. Just having him on Jay staff Johnson is a great thing. Considered for the head job right now, actually, yeah. But yeah, if you right now on our staff, you say coordinator, Munoz, over Leje, I would say in a minute.
0: Well, and and look, and and look,
1: Tim, Tim, Tim is really not an awesome. He's not the. He's a passing game coordinator at this point, and he's doing other things. You know, these titles are kind of misleading. You know, I mean, Des is really calling the plays, and he's basically making the game plan. Tim is Tim is basically what Munoz or what Munoz was doing in LSU. I mean, it's essentially what he's doing, right?
3: So, how much do you think Munoz has, as far as getting to Dez's head and calling plays on the sideline, or giving like giving him feedback? Because I mean, he was there when Dez was a quarterback. You know, I mean, do you think he's like Dez listens to him on the sidelines and he? he I'll say, is Jim. Open to his discussions or
4: tonight? I I I was watching. They they had a couple of shots on the sideline tonight. And, and there were times where they were showing Dez and Munoz was right by him and they were talking. I mean, they were, they were like, and and yeah. this is when we were on offense, they were going back and forth on, on what the next play was. I think we had called the timeout. They, they were the two discussing what we were going to do next. So yes, I do think Munoz has, has a hand in, in yeah. what we call offensively. And, and not to
0: mention, not to mention, yeah. it's not, it's not just on the field. It's, it's, it's the week of preparation leading up to the game. If when those coaches right. meet, right. whether it's leger, even Vietar, we can't forget Matt Vietar either. Leje, Vietar, Munoz. Well, Matt and, can't
3: be on the field, and Matt, Matt, Matt definitely during the week. Matt can't be right. on the
0: field. So they're in the meeting room. Definitely all, during the week. All four of those coaches are together and they're coming up with an offensive scheme. All of them. They're all giving input. Right. And I think but by the time Saturday rolls around, ultimately Dez is the one calling the plays. But to Nick's point, you know, Munos is right there, too. He's right there next to him. Leger's right there next to him. They're giving their two cents to Mike and helping yeah. him out. But but ultimately, Mike's going to call the plays. But definitely, those coaches have their hands in, in the offensive scheme, not only leading up to the game, but in the game as yeah. well.
3: i sure. tell you what. i tell you what about it. As, as far as Virtar goes, I know I've got pretty good references that Virtar couldn't be on the field and – would watch practice from some videos and stuff. And when Napier would get off the field, the first person he would talk to about practice in action, what he thought was Vitor. That's how much respect he had for Vitor.
4: And the guy's got so So much experience, man. 100%. I mean, with all the experience as a head coach he's had, 100% they better be leaning on him.
3: He definitely has some great talent around him offensively. I mean, there's no reason why we can't do it offensively, you know? (laughs) But anyway, anyway, guys, thank you. Appreciate you guys. Uh, love what you guys are doing. Yeah, have a good night.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks, Jim. Really appreciate the perspective there. That was some interesting comments. Uh, Jacob LeBlanc, I don't see Dez as someone too proud to ask for advice. That's what I like about him. He's no BS, honest, and humble. I actually agree with that. There's no way that Mike is not going to George and saying, what do you think about this? What do you think about this scheme? What do you think about this route tree? There's no way that he's not getting feedback and taking it Seriously. I mean, he's got veteran guys all over that staff, which is great. Uh, Again, it goes back to what people say. He's a young coach. Yeah, he's a young coach, but this guy's been around. He's got great connections. He's got people on staff that are going to hold him accountable, number one, and give him the feedback that he needs, number two. I I don't necessarily think that uh, that's that's even up for debate.
0: And he's mentioned that before, where they'll be in a meeting leading up to the season and they would kind of talk about their scheme based off of what Billy used to run. And then you have guys like Muno stepping in going, well, what? why are you doing it this way? What about, what if we tried this? You know, same thing with Leger. Well, well maybe we should try this. Maybe we should do that. Vietar, same thing. All these coaches are giving their input to, the, to where they're adjusting to maybe a newer scheme or a different scheme or more of a dynamic scheme than what they've run before because now – it's even though you, you you're coming off of, of the scheme that Billy ran, you still have different personnel. You still have it's it's a it's a brand new staff as well. So to have that type of knowledge in that in that meeting room is very, very valuable to Dez. Think about it like this Matt Vietar was the head football coach when Magnee spanked us in two thousand seven.
1: Now, why you want to bring that yeah, up? really,
0: really? Because, go there, bro. because I'd rather have be on be on our team then be on the other side of the sideline doing that. And that's an extra coach right there that has had success as a head coach elsewhere. I mean, Josh, you remember when he got fired from ULM, we were all kind of scratching our heads going, why on earth would would Monroe do something like that?
1: I was one of the first to say, bring him home.
0: Yeah. And, and that, you know, bringing him home was huge, but that's the beauty of having those type of coaches with that type of experience to help Des out on these offensive, uh, on his offensive schemes, it it works and it's successful. Hundred percent,
1: hundred percent. Hey, I want to encourage everybody to request to speak. We'll get you in, but got a caller, so let's do that. Nick, Kyle, what's up, man?
8: Oh man, I well, I just got finished watching uh, Sybil. I don't know if y'all know who who Sybil was, but there was a movie way back in the day about a woman that had sixteen different personalities. And I feel like I've been watching my favorite Sybil team today. Except they only got about six different personalities. I don't know which one's going to show up from week to week. But this one was your favorite, right? Oh, yeah. It was the good, yeah, this was the good Sybil. I mean, I you know, I, 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 that I don't know. I'm living in perpetual frustration. You know, I know y'all saying that, you know, that y'all haven't seen the team get worse during the season, but I've seen them play worse. I've seen them take two steps forward and two steps back, two steps forward. And you don't know what you're going to get from week to week, man. It's
1: like, uh, uh, to quote Billy, Billy Napier's team did the same thing. We should have lost to ULM twice. We should have lost to Georgia Southern at least once at home. We should have lost to Georgia State at home. Billy just had the rabbit foot in the back of his pocket yeah we' we've, we've taken some steps back there's no question but as far as like overall a unit getting worse or whatever no i haven't seen it i haven't seen it
8: well i i'll say this i think the offensive line is way better than they were earlier in the season i think they've come a long way but uh you know i i you know i say that and as soon as i say it who knows what's – I mean, you know, of course, next week they got to play Florida State, and that's going to be a meat grinder game. I mean, let's just – let's just be realistic about it. Um, I mean, uh, do I think they'll go over there and, and, you know, and try to play well? I, think, I mean, I think they – I think they have the possibility to play well against Florida State. They also have the possibility to go over there and get 50 hung on them. And, you know, I just – I. I don't know what to think about this team from week to week, man. I mean, they it's, it's, they are so up and so down. And the thing that frustrates you, I'm going to tell you what, the, the two things that worry me about this football team, you know, where, uh, it, you don't know what you're going to get from one week to the next and what's going to happen next year when they lose all of these defensive players. You know, it, it, I see their offense getting better. But, man, they're going to lose. You look at the talent that's on that football team on the defensive side of the football, and when I think about the guys that ain't going to be there next year, that that concerns me. How are we going to recruit, you know, and, and, you know, who do we have coming in to take the place of the guys that we're going to lose,
4: well, I think you know, this I, is where this is where our coaching staff has to be smart because the transfer portal works two ways—not only going out, but also yeah. coming in. So we got to be smart with the transfer portal next year.
8: Yeah, that's true. But how long is it going to take this staff to get whoever it is to gel? You know, to to build that cohesion that you that you have to have to be a special football team. I, I'm scratching my head wondering about it. You know, it's like, you know, what you know, what do you you know what, I don't know, you know what I mean it's like anybody's gonna try to predict what this team is going to do from week to week. It's just, you know, there's no predicting it. There's no there's no getting a handle on it. But, but we, Kyle, when we they play so well and the next week they can play just, you know, not even show up.
0: Right. But but to your point, I Kyle, know. I think I think if you if you want to look in the long run, that's the importance of playing a lot of substitute and substituting guys in and out and, and getting them getting them experience. Because to your point, when we lose some of those defensive players, you know, the the uh, Braylon Trahans and the, and the Zion Hill Greens and the Moncriefs, you're going to have to have guys behind them that step up but it it can help now if you st- continue to play those guys behind them that's kind of what billy did which was why a lot of these guys that are starting now were able to kind of step into their role a lot easier you have to play you just have to play a lot of guys i mean that's really the only way you can get them ready when it's their time to step up and be that starter be that guy they just need experience
8: yeah Well, I'm, I tell you, I mean, when they're on, they're fun to watch. They're a good team. But man, when they're off, it can get miserable real quick. And I just, you know, I would just, you know, I I would love to see, I don't know if I'd rather see a little bit less talented team play more uh, consistently or see a team that I know, this team has a lot of talent. I I know I've heard people all, Billy took this and took that. Man, -hmm. he didn't take, he didn't take the majority of the talent that was on this team. I mean, this team had a a lot of talent to the point where, you know, a couple of linemen, you know, that hurt us, losing, you know, losing the, the big boy over there to Florida when he went, but, Overall, man, it just seems like they, they, they should have been able to gel better earlier. And that's the part that frustrates me the most about the about this football team.
4: But I think Kyle, I think we underestimated. I mean, you look at Osiris Torrance, you look at our, our running backs that left that went to Florida and TCU, you look at Makai Gardner, you look at Kyron Lacey, like I get that we didn't lose a lot of players, but we did lose a lot of talent. And not only that, when you combine that with the coaching staff and the support staff that left, there was a lot. You're talking about cohesiveness. There was a lot of cohesiveness that had to be built as the season went on. So I'll I'll give them a pass this season now. Look, next season or or the season after if we're still having this conversation, then I think we need to go deeper into it, but I think from my perspective at least, I think I was I was a little more uh on the buy side of this team because I just thought, "Hey, we'll make it work." But I think it, deep inside in the back of my head, I knew there would be issues. I just didn't want to admit it to
8: myself. Well, they another thing that bothers me you know you got a college football team you got 80 kids 85 kids you're talking about all the guys that play it bothers me that this that you know and I know Billy never did it either but look I cannot stand an offense where you never get under center you never have a fullback you never you, you never can line up, seem to line up if you got if you got a fourth and one or a fourth and two and line up in a situation where even if they know you're gonna run the football, that you can put more hats on hats than you know, to block than they have to tackle and move bodies around and out physical guys and get you know, get get that one play that's going to keep those chains moving, or plan for two plays. If you've got a third and short or third and goal from the two or the three yard line, you can't just line up and physically push the ball into the end zone because of the style of offense you're running. That bugs the living crap out of me, man. And you know, I there, there's nothing wrong with having an old school game to fall back on. Yeah, we want to see them throw the football all over the field and we want to see them have the circus act going. But, man, sometimes you got to line up and shove the ball down the other team's throat and enforce your will on them. And I don't like that you, that you constantly, constantly, constantly are depending on the zone read that, you know, it's it's – it's got a lot of flaws, man. And it's an easy offense to learn. But if it's an easy offense to learn, it's an easy offense for defenses to learn, too. And that's why I think, you know, a lot of that zone read stuff is going to, you know, if, as time goes on, these defensive coordinators keep working on it. Eventually, they're going to stop you. Unless you've got a true dual-threat quarterback that will get out there and and run the football and expose himself like a running back, it's going to get tougher and tougher with just a zone read offense to move the football up and down the field consistently against a lot of football teams, especially in the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt has some really they, – they got some tough defenses in this conference. And I, I just don't know going forward, you know, if we're not willing to expand and and use other – other, other play schemes and techniques and steal from other people. Hey, if it's working for them, why don't we try this? If we don't do more of that, I don't know what kind of, I don't, I really don't know what kind of success that we're going to be able to have going forward. Well, uh, to, to your real quick,
1: real quick to your point about the zone read. And I, and I hear you cause I agree with you to a certain degree. When that became prevalent, it was with schools that couldn't recruit offensive linemen. It covers up lack of talent on the offensive line or youth on the offensive line. It, it, it creates space. I know you know that. Uh, so maybe that tells you more about the offensive line than we're willing to 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 admit. So that's one thing. Um, but I will say that we've been a lot more physical lately. I, I, I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna pass over that. I think that we've been more physical lately now. Inconsistent? Yes, you're right about that. I I agree with that 100%. But going back to Nick's point about losing talent and losing key pieces at key positions, on top of names that he mentioned, Manak in the NFL, Percy Butler, NFL, uh, Levi Lewis, hello. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a ton. And Torrance is not just a good offensive lineman. He's the best offensive lineman in the country in the SEC. He's the only PFF-rated 90-plus offensive lineman linemen in the entire country. That is a massive hole. Now, we lost three offensive linemen in the spring. So, you know, think about that. We had guys that did not expect to play starting. And then we have offensive line injuries during the season. So those are all big things. Names that we don't even talk about, again, I bring up Farad and McCaskill often because they were, they just, they tackles, tackles, tackles. I mean, they were always in the middle of everything, causing turnovers. Seniors. They were like twenty-five years old when they graduated and got out of here. And they're also, you know, Farad got picked up by the uh by the by the commanders for I don't know if he's still on the practice squad, but he had a cup of coffee. McCaskill's at Kansas, one of the most improved teams in the country. I mean, we lost a ton at key positions. I agree that we're talented. I still go back to it's okay and fine when you're when you're the co-pilot and you're on a successful flight. When you're the pilot on a successful flight, it's a little bit different. So I just wanted to make that point. Uh, and Kyle, I, I, nothing you said is wrong. I do wonder what did you like tonight? What did, What do you like over the last couple of weeks? Something that's trending that you see that's well, positive well, loved, for this I, football team? I,
8: I loved our offensive line the way they the way they you know got after it. I I mean it's like we understood is it, 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 t- you know we talk about physicality, but a lot of it is is mental assignments and, and being able to just you know understand. Hey, they're they're, they're changing their, their, their. You see you see the line, and get the defensive line get down into a point, and then they shift over. And we were handling these shifts, and we were making the adjustments. The the backs were hitting the right holes. The guys were were go ahead. And they were taking their guys out. And you were having nice running lanes for our guys to run into they were they were cutting back well i mean you had you had a you know and these were big look Georgia Southern's defensive line was as big as any defensive line that we played all year. I don't think Georgia Southern was as athletic in their back seven as a lot of teams we played this year. They didn't have the speed to fill those gaps that a lot of other teams had. But we were able to physically get a hat on them and push them around. And those were some big boys. And, and, and that part, it, it, when, you, it, when you're able to run the football, now you're able to use your play action and open up your passing game. If a team can stop you and keep you at third and nine and third and 10 after you run the play to run the ball twice, and now you're trying to throw the football, your play action game means nothing. You got you're on third and 2, you got every play in your playbook is still open to you. You know, so you know you've got to get the the hard yards to start to to move the chains and keep the drives going to be able to open up the, the, the plays that, that, that Bernard is going to get or the plays that Jefferson's going to get or the plays that is going to get. And, and, you know, but if, if you don't do that, you're not going to ever give yourself a chance to get the ball out to those guys because the the defense is going to pin their ears back and they're going to come after Ben. He's not going to have any time to throw the football. All of his throwing lanes are going to be closed and he's not going to have anywhere to run you know, you have it all starts up front, and that's where we really, really look good tonight. But the question is, can we keep that up? You know, it, 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 that's what got me so frustrated as a hey, fan. Hey, big, big shout-out to the tackles most tonight. Most fans would feel that way.
1: Big shout-out to the tackles yeah, tonight right. who set the edge the entire night and Ben was able to get out. So was Chris Smith. That was one of the reasons why he had a big night. Tackles just setting the edge. All right.
8: They, yeah. we, they, they, we we I don't know what we ran. I'd love to hear some stats. I haven't heard any stats yet.
1: Well, I was going to say,
0: you know, you were mentioning about why don't we run different more formations or open up the playbook a little bit more. And really, Kyle, honestly, man, you see college football or just football in general, a lot more teams are running spread because they're trying to utilize speed. Um, football, in many ways, uh, has become a lot more finesse and a lot more just – a lot more athletes with just just natural speed. So in order to do that, a lot of times they run those formations like the shotgun or they run a five wide and they try to spread the field out and utilize that. And I think that's one thing we've been able to do. But you can still get, you can still get in the trenches with the type of offense we run. Um, I think what you're seeing, especially – oh, another, another thing that we run or a lot of teams run is, is RPO. You see a lot of teams run RPO even at the NFL level. So that's really why – I don't think we're going to be running, you know, you're not going to see us run single back. We're not going to run out of the I formation or anything like that is because a lot of the guys we sign are just athletic in general. So I think you're going to see a lot more of that in football um, as a whole compared to what you saw 10 to 15 years ago, where teams are just not, they're just not going under center center anymore. And they're also getting a lot of dual threat quarterbacks out there too. But,
8: But yeah, but, but, the most successful teams in the country, even though they're running a spread type of offense, they still will get under center and they still will come in with a fullback on on certain occasions. I ain't saying you got to do it. At, you know, I'm talking about five times, six times a game when the situation is, is set up for it. You know, you're gonna. They know what you're probably gonna do. You giving yourself a lot better chance to be successful. When you're at the line of scrimmage and you get the momentum coming, you know, you got you got people running downhill instead of trying to get to the line of scrimmage and make a read against the gap defense that's not going to let you – they're not going to let you have a hole. They're not going to give you a hole. You're going to have to make a hole. And, and the only way you can make a hole is by getting more bodies on their bodies than they have bodies to defend at the point of attack, where you want to run, it's just—it's a simple matter of mathematics, and, and you know it, it, its its football in the in the in its most primitive terms, and you cannot abandon that. You can't. You have to be able to, when you need it, put that kind of a, of a, of an offense out there where you have guys coming up in the hole. Making making a hole because you because they're having to knock somebody back on their ass and and if you can't be able to do that you're the most successful teams like if you look at Georgia and even if you look at the team over there on the other side they will get under center and they will run they will have two backs in that backfield or have a tight end lined up somewhere in an H back position where he can get in there and put another helmet and make a spot where a guy can get up into a lane and get two or three critical yards. And if you can do that, then now you can, you can open up so much more of the rest of your playbook to do the things that you want to do. You just can't, you, you, you can't depend on this spread offense consistently to give you what you have to have to win in every situation. And I think if they don't learn how to do this, they're going to continue to have trouble when they're going to play teams that are going to come up and punch you in the mouth, you know, play that punch you in the mouth style of football. And, you know, I, I, until they do it, I just don't see us, I just don't see us being where we're going to ever be able to to, to, to win Game in and game out and game in and game out. And that's the difference right now to me in a 5-5 five and five and an 8-2 football team. I just, that's just the way I see it. Y'all have a good night, fellas. Later. Good night, Kyle.
1: Thanks for the call. And listen, the, the good news is that that's the plan. The plan is to be physical. Even though we may not be executing week in and week out, that's the plan. And Mike's never going to get away from that. His offense is always going to be predicated on physical running game and and, you know, just making plays when you need to. But uh, I
4: love the fact that Kyle's calling for Veer offense.
1: <laughs> he going hey, to KDN High School tonight. <laughs> hey, I was sitting next to Kyle for a while today, and he was talking about the fullback. And I was like, look, I'm all the way in on the fullback. I, so for me, it's tight end, fullback, and everybody else. <laughs> all right? So I'm all the way down. Um, Juco, appreciate you checking in, sir. I know you requested a while ago. I apologize on the wait, but it is all yours.
2: I appreciate it. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Man, I was trying to find you guys at the game, man. I was looking. I was tweeting. I was like, man, where y'all at so I can come see y'all and everything. But anyway, um, man, I enjoyed the game. The game was pretty good. Um, I was I was actually with the students. I like to just hang out with the students, talk to them, you know, see how they're doing and everything. You know, they were doing pretty good. Um, the atmosphere. You know, I guess the fans, you know, they. there was a lot of dead spots. I don't know if y'all could have seen that, but it was a lot of dead spots. You know, it was, it was kind of, for me, it was kind of boring. So, some some spots. So, I don't know. I think they need a. you know, I think they need to do some type of fanning, get, get the fans involved, try to, you know, to keep fans, to stay because I've seen a lot of people starting to leave and it was the fourth quarter. I was like, man, people starting to leave. This is the fourth quarter. You know, I know, I I know I, I have to work, you know, but I mean, I want to, I want to stay. I want to stay and support these guys, man, uh, support the seniors and everything. Um, I guess try to get some ideas, you know, for, um, to keep the, to keep the fans in the stands. Um, the fans that, you know, that do show up, uh, the prize and the things for the students. That was pretty cool. The halftime show If I'm going to just be real with y'all. It was, it was like, it was cute, but it was just, I could have gone to, if I wanted to go to a dog show, I could have go to a dog show and watch a dog do tricks.
1: Can we have, can we have an adult conversation here? And I'm not trying to shit on anybody. All right. Whatever. I understand that we tried every promotion in the book and I understand that our band is what it is. I, I get all that, but it's so high schoolish, man. I mean, it just is like my kids love the dog show. They loved it. But I I mean I don't know. I guess you gotta gauge your audience, Nick. But I, I think, don't know, man. But I, I
4: think that's the problem, Josh, is that we we have the okay, so not gonna poo poo on the admin for trying. I Thank
1: you. No, I not at all what I'm trying to say. But what all. I'm
4: but but the point is like if you're gonna have attractions for kids at the game, then market to kids to come to the game. Like don't market to adults to come to a game and then you have a kids halftime performance. Like if, if we're trying to market to the kids, Duck then dance. we need to get a freaking mascot to the schools to get the kids to the game. But that's a whole we can have. We're gonna have a whole pot on that. B- with hole. our ideas, yeah. but that's,
2: yeah, that, that's rabbit hole it, material. I remember, oh, I think it was for the championship game last year. Um, they had like a, like a little kids fun zone and kids was getting involved, and you know that's good for them. But like for adults, man, like I said, it was like some some dead spots, you know. Um, I was like, man, it's it, it's boring. I, I was like, okay, the dogs are just cute, you know. I don't have nothing against dogs, but just it was getting a little boring, you know? There was, and then, then not only that, they stayed a little too long out there. So it was kind of, for me, it was boring. I don't know about y'all, but for me, it was boring. Well, I'm going to tell right, you, so dude, that, I'm
4: going to show you my lack of maturity, because I would have been pumped up to see those dogs on the field. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
2: and it all good. I mean, like, I love dogs, but I didn't. I didn't. Hey, you know, why, I wasn't going. going why
1: don't we try to? Too. Why don't we try to get Cormier and Dustin the Diamond to do a a, a fight for halftime? I mean, that's <laughs> something that I would stay around, stick around, and say. I, I think you'd I'm get thirty five thousand for that.
2: Man, I, I tell you, I tell you one thing. You you got like your local, and I'm gonna be real. You got your local artist like Bryson Bernard Cupid, right? He went. He graduated from Northside High School, just like he graduated. Him and my cousin graduated together. Not only that, he went to UL. I would, if I was the, you know, if I was the, you know, the marketing department, I would reach out to him. you know, and see what could we do to halftime performance. You know what I'm saying? I mean, this dude, believe it or not, Bryson went to the LSU versus Southern game. I was they, just getting ready to, to say that.
1: Point. He loves the other Qubit. side of the basin. That dude loves the other side. Yeah, he, he does. I know you are But does. to be
4: fair, Josh, to be fair, Southern has been playing his music for 13, yeah. 15
1: years. Very
4: true. So so credit to Southern to real to to steal a talent we have from Lafayette and promote it in Baton Rouge, because we will not do but it. But you see, but
0: you see another thing too, what makes bands like Southern or like most of those, like the SWAC schools so unique is they bring artists to perform with the band.
1: Oh, I know. I know the answer to this question. Like, they don't play DuckTales at halftime. They don't play DuckTales, though. And, and and not only do they not play DuckTales,
0: they'll play like modern day, like like the big hits of today. Get the artist to, and sometimes get the artist to play with them. I mean, which is more entertaining now? I think, look, the dog show thing to me, it was unique. It was something we've haven't never really seen before. So I thought that was cool that they brought something different in. But I think what, to your point, Nick, is kind of engage the audience. If you're going after kids, go after kids.
4: But, bro, like, get Keith Frank to play haters on the, the accordion while we play in haters in our band on the field and get some people line dancing to haters. That would get me. I'm getting well, they up did that about it. They Stop did that with sense. Wayne Toops. Stop they did that with Wayne sense. Toops. But that was a little weird because... Dude, Wayne the, Toops is...
1: Over the hill,
0: I know, look, but I'm I love saying, Wayne. But it's past time.
4: It's, right, but
1: get talking. Looking, Keith get little Frank.
0: Frank. Get Lil Lil Nate. Get little Nate out there. Little Nate's he teaches at UL. He go. He went to UL. Like that's easy. You see the alumni, you know, to see the people
2: that went to UL, Cupid, Little Nate, you know, all of these guys. They went to the UL. You know, they got followers. And if they say, "Hey, look, man, I'm going to be at UL. Man, I'm going to be performing pregame off." you know, halftime or such and such, you know those followers is going to come just to see them perform? Yes. And I know they probably had, like, I know, like, Cupid, he went to Baton Rouge, you know, to, to go to, the, because they was playing his song. You know, he probably had his followers to go over there, or followers from Baton Rouge to go over that Man, I, I just want to see Cupid. And that's how you'll get more fans and fans, just a lot of fans. You have to, you know, tap those markets man those untapped areas um to bring to bring uh you know fans i i, I wish i can bring my cousin you know i'm leaning on you
1: i'm leaning on you to make that happen hey juco i gotta move we got some other things to do i'm getting hollered okay. at about stats i'm getting hollered about about other stuff so let me move on appreciate you listening always love your comments Thank you, sir. Sorry we couldn't hook up, man. As soon as I walk in the stadium, I get Jerry Boomer internet. So there's nothing man, I can need, do about hey, it. We need Cox to help us out with that. Maybe we can. Maybe we can get some kind of sponsorship. All right, JUCO, be All good, right. man. Thanks a lot. For sure. Real quick, before we get to stats, Jacob, hang on. We got we got a celebrity in the house. College football campus tour made his way to Lafayette, and he is in the space tonight. Want to give him an opportunity to speak, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. Your comments about your experience tonight.
9: Well, first of all, I appreciate the introduction. Yes, uh, indeed. You know, I, I've, I've gone to, there have been seven fun belt weeknight games, and I went to all of them. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I saw you guys play at Marshall. I saw you play at Southern Miss. And, you know, this was by far uh, the best performance. I saw out of Louisiana. I mean, historically, you guys have been good the last few years, so it's not surprising. But, um, you know, when you go to these games, obviously there's a trade off for being on a weeknight. You're not going to get as many fans. You're going to get the exposure on the national TV. So, you know, when you go to a high volume of games, I went went to two matching games the last two nights. There are are issues, quote-unquote, that are exclusive to a school, but there are some that are – Protecting everyone, and so you know, I went to a West Virginia Thursday night game. They got like forty-five percent capacity. So um, there's the trade-off to be on national TV and get that exposure. Maybe you're not going to get it, but if it's only one home date and you got the five or six other home games where you can pack the crowd out, then it's a good trade-off. But um, you know, the Sun Belt is, in my opinion, the best G five conference. It's perfectly positioned for SCC ACC, spillover, transfer portal, talent, uh, the coaches, even down in, you know, ULM, has got Terry Bowden, there's uh, Butch Jones at A-State. There's such a, a huge um, name value with these coaches. And, uh, you know, the early season wins, Notre Dame at Marshall, uh, losing from Marshall, Georgia Southern going to Nebraska, App State going to Texas A&M. It's just raised the profile of the conference adding these new schools they were all perfect additions so um i really enjoy the Sun Belt it's my favorite conference i've been going to games since you know 2017 i went to idaho at troy i went to coastal at idaho so i've seen it a lot i've seen it grow and um you know when you get a big game coastal last week versus app state that was an amazing atmosphere but it doesn't happen all the time so um I, I'm happy from what I've seen from Louisiana, and hopefully you guys get the bowl eligibility. And, you know, you guys are my family, and I, I just love coming to Sunbelt Games. I live in California. I don't have any connection to anything in the South other than good football and, and good treatment. So that's my review.
1: I really appreciate you saying that. If you guys are not familiar with this guy's work, he's been all over the country to – I can't even imagine. I'll probably ask him here in a second how many venues he's been to, but it's, it's a ton. I'll, we follow him on social. Um, how were you treated tonight? How was the overall experience with regard to, you know, just interaction and meeting folks?
9: It was great. Um, you know, I will tell you uh, I did not get a response from the athletic communications department regarding my credential request. However, uh, the team chaplain, Eric Truell, I've, you know, I've known him for a few years, interviewed him. He checked in with me before the game. I told him he ran in the locker room, gave me a credential with a big E on it. And he said, it stands for everywhere, right? So you can go everywhere. Um, You know, I always explore the stadium. He invited me to uh, be on the field with the team for the postgame prayer. So I got to do that. That was an honor. Uh, I met uh, the athletic director, uh, Mr. Magger, his wife, his daughter on the field afterwards. And, uh, you know, they, Eric has seen me, you know, I went to App State during COVID and was 7% capacity there because of the governor rule there was maybe 1200 people there. He made sure I got into that place. So, um, the Sunbelt in general, but particularly Lafayette has always been good to me. And, and, you know, I've been there three times. The other two were Tuesday night games against App in 2019 and, and uh, 2021, so this is the first time I went to a non app Tuesday night game, and this was the best one ever as far as I'm concerned.
1: Thank you so much for chiming in. I, I'll let you go. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but I thought it was worth sharing. And thank you for visiting Lafayette. Of course, you know, we always love to have foreigners or outsiders come and visit and we treat them well. We, we kind of we, – we take that seriously around here. So I'm glad you were treated well. I'm glad you got to get in touch with somebody who listened to your request. Uh, we also have a hard time with that, uh, but that's a whole other story. Uh, but thank you so much for, for coming in and enjoying a, a Lafayette Thursday night. And hope you ate well, man. Hope you fed well. That's right.
9: Uh, yeah, well, I, you know, much better than Kalamazoo, Michigan. Let's just say that.
1: So, oh, uh, shots yeah. fired.
9: <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, I wanted to join the space just because I wanted to chime in. And, you know, I appreciate you guys reaching out uh, before the game and, uh, you know when i said i was in the in the vicinity of the stadium and you know you guys are the authority of louisiana football and, and i enjoy following you on twitter so thank you for the opportunity
1: man really appreciate that comment thank you so much now that's a shout out
9: right.
4: oh we're changing branding baby authority of louisiana football Oh, athletics! Let's just go athletics. That's going on the profile for sure. Yes, Love sir. That. Love it. <laughs>
1: hey, all right. Everybody's hollering about stats. Nick, let's let's read some stats, and then we'll go to Terry, and then we'll go to sleep because you guys are keeping us late.
4: Because you guys won't shut up. Um, I'm so, trying. So yeah, we scored a lot, and Georgia Southern didn't score a lot, <laughs> and th- that's our stats. No, uh we'll, Woolridge tonight was uh, 17 for 31, 193 yards. And three touchdowns. He did have that one interception, which I'm not going to put on him. Um, Van Trees, 325 yards in the air with one touchdown. Uh, rushing wise, Chris Smith led us 80 yards, and uh, followed by Washington and Williams with 74 and 51 yards each. They were solid. Uh, re- they were they solid. were solid. Yeah, we had 200. We had 242 yards of rushing tonight which was unbelievable
1: that's coming Um, off of another 200 yard performance last week i mean correct we're we're
4: trending we're trending correct and we held georgia southern to 72 yards on the ground now again let's go back to to the 358 yards of offense georgia southern had through the air guess what they didn't do score touchdowns i mean they scored two touchdowns tonight uh so when you consider the fact that they threw through for 358 yards and only had two touchdowns that's impressive um, I would say holding. Look, they were such a good third down team this entire season, uh, and we held them for two third downs, two for fourteen on third down. That that they to were, me is just they were at one
1: point number one in the country. I don't know if that was still this week, if that was still true this week, but they were number one in the country, fifty six percent for the season. And the fact
4: that they didn't convert a third down till the second half was unbelievable. So credit to credit to our defense again uh for for doing what they did complete domination time of possession was relatively even it felt like we held the ball for a lot longer but it was 31 minutes for us to 28 minutes for Georgia Southern tonight uh so and, and then sacks we had two they had one nothing uh nothing you know off the off the mark on that but again we it's domination. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. We we just played a complete game for what I felt was the first time this season. We put it all together, not only offensively but defensively. So I think that was that was the difference tonight. Is is we just put it all together on both sides of the ball? Hey Nick, uh,
1: average yard per carry. Can you see that? Had to be around four or five. Had to be.
4: Let me see yards per carry. Uh, t-
1: and also, I think we did pretty well on third down. Uh, we, I know we were four for five yes. on fourth
4: down. Six, 6.2 yards per carry. But oh, yeah. but when you go back and look at Washington, he had five five carries,
1: average of almost 15 yards a carry. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> and Ben Ben had a couple of rip-offs that he, you know, really big plays when we really needed. He did. Him. And yeah. that goes back to what I was telling Kyle. I mean, we were set the edge when we needed to all night long, so credit to the left and a right tackle. Um, ben ripped. I don't think that they had... They they could not account for the quarterback run. They needed to stay back because he was making the passes when he needed to. They weren't athletic enough on the defensive line, and it was just a bad matchup for him. And I thought, well, I think
4: they they just they just dared him to run on him, and and he took it. And and good point. Someone said, let's talk about Kenny. How about Kenny? Five, five, school record. Five. That's unbelievable.
1: School record. So again, when we stalled on third down, we were trying to run away with the football game. He made kicks, big kicks, big, big boy stuff. So, hey, that's special teams had to step up. Complimentary football, play good offense, play good special teams, play good defense. Talked about it early. Cam Podesklo, amazing tonight. And you guys know, anytime I can shout out Cam, I just think he's a mean SOB and he sets the tone. He, he's the gritty guy that you need. And by the way, I saw him in person at the volleyball game. He's scary. He's just a scary guy. He looks scary, and he's about as big as I am. So that's even better. So this is my guy. This is my guy. Uh, I thought the refs did fine. I mean, you can't get worse than Saturday. So I thought the refs were fine. The refs did miss an obvious pass interference
4: on Georgia Southern tonight. That was, uh, I think it was on Jefferson. The I MJ touchdown
1: in the north end zone.
4: Yeah, terrible, yeah, terrible. Yeah. But they weren't as bad as the last crew so I guess that's improvement. I don't
1: know. See that's think, their goal. I think that's their goal. And also, Be as bad as also, we can be and then we are average and we look great.
4: But earlier in the game, there were they did not allow our guys to have a defensive substitution and that that ended up being like a first down for Georgia Southern it, it, because it was like we had 12 men on the field or yeah because they didn't like typically the guy will stand over the ball and wait for Give an opportunity for both teams to substitute if offense decides it, right? Yeah, but but they didn't. He put the ball down, backed off, and we were still coming off the field, and that's why Mike was so pissed, and that led to a touchdown. That was a touchdown pass, but that was a halfback, right? They were like, "Well, I can't get why we're so out of position." And then you listen to the ESPN guys, and they're like, "Well, they really didn't give him a chance to substitute." Even they were saying it. So if we could see it from home, and the and the play by play guy sees it. How come you have a crew of referees on the field and nobody's saying, hey, you didn't give them a chance to, to substitute. This was on us. So I don't know. That that pissed me off. But generally as a whole, I guess they didn't suck as bad as they sucked other weeks. So
1: good for them. Wasn't as bad as Sunbelt or Saturday night in the Sunbelt, right?
4: But but what I don't understand is that we last season they were decent. Like I don't feel like I was y- – I yell every week, but I don't feel like there were as many game-changing non-calls or calls that they had last year versus this year. This year, it's all over the place. I don't know what to expect game to game. I think some of that's
0: overshadowed with when we win, too. Uh, the way we played tonight, I I don't know. Maybe they get more ignored. I thought the refs called a fair game tonight. I, I didn't see anything that looked flaky or off um there might have been a i do think as far as the matchups between the receivers and the secondaries i felt like the refs let them play a little bit more they were a little more physical there they, there could have been some some calls but they let them play as long as you're doing it consistently i don't mind now if you have a blatant PI on one end and then you, you don't call it on another, then there's a problem, which I think that's kind of what you're alluding to, Nick, where they have had instances like that this year where there's a blatant call on one side that they call and then they don't on the other. Um, but I didn't see that tonight. I think they were they were more consistent tonight as far as letting
1: them play. And and on that point, I think we only had four penalties tonight. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't know what the total yardage was, but it wasn't. None of it was impactful. It was- false
0: starts or yeah. you know stuff like that but again well,
1: going back to last week's game you're
4: talking about consistency they didn't call pi all game then all of a sudden in the most crucial point of the game they're going to call pi which wasn't well a- that, at that's the very worst that's right of the game you're going to throw a flag when there wasn't pi so and that that drives me nuts
0: but the problem with that is it takes away from if you're doing a good job all game long and you're calling a fair game and then you make a blatant call like that that takes that basically nullifies everything you did for but the first does it 59. But what is the matter? They're minutes. not going
4: to get penalized. They're not going to be called out. Nothing's going to happen. So
1: they'll just go somewhere else and suck next week.
0: Yeah. Well, they just need to be more consistent.
1: Yeah, uh, I think Jacob just said Raphael Seption had 6. So well, he, maybe Kenny didn't make a didn't set a school record, but he was close.
0: I think Raphael ended up playing in the NFL too, so <laughs> He's got well, that. I made form. I made
1: an incorrect statement apparently, but I don't know if that's right though because I'm pretty sure I heard that on the on the broadcast when I was leaving. But I had heard else. I had heard that he tied a record tonight, but I could be wrong. Hey, we're we're second hand sources. Folks. Hey, we're it's twelve twenty three a.m. I don't
0: know anything. This is time. RR after dark after all. It, right? it is
1: indeed, Terry. Final word, and then we're gonna bounce because we all have to work tomorrow. All yours, T.
6: Man, y'all got to work tomorrow, man. That's old, man. I got better than day off. so
1: I, I'm Sorry about that. You know what? I'm calling in. I'm calling in. I'm gonna say, look, I'm a veteran. I get off today. Hey, you should. You sir. I might. Oh. I might. <laughs>
6: um, but yeah, my pop thoughts, and it's not even about uh, the game. It's really about the 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 band thing. Uh, if y'all listen to you know like Swag Bear and the, you know Sprouse, all those guys. Those oh yeah. Pop guys.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, they
6: complain. They complain so much about Middle Ten. And their band and I don't know who our band director is. Like, do y'all know do y'all know? I don't know who our band, band director is? Uh
1: I want to call him Ivan Missile, but it's not Ivan, it's Ryan Missile. His last name is Missile.
6: Okay. Like, do you know what poll he has? Because apparently at Middleton they have enough poll to tell the Middleton Tennessee a director, okay, like the speakers are too loud, too low, don't play this music, blah blah blah. Apparently they have a lot of pull. And they just let them do whatever you want. Now I was just wondering if like I mean like do we just put, can we just talk to them, and be like, hey, do we not play duck anymore? Like what, what can we do to just stop? stop See the, stop the thing up. is
1: the thing is if we thought we came on here and started complaining about Looney Tunes and DuckTales, they would listen, but no, they doubled down. They actually did the same show on Thursday that they did on Saturday. Yeah, way to go, one, Josh. <laughs> one thing about the pool thing is that we hollered and screamed about the uh, the speakers and they turned them down. So okay. maybe you know one out of two is is a win.
6: Okay, and like back and forth with uh, Marcus Marks, uh, the event director guy. Like uh, I've been going back and forth with him, just mentioning him in tweets and him magazines. It seems like he cares. I mean, of course he he sure does his job, but yeah, it seems like he does care. And like he hopefully next year we can ride the momentum of promotion and everything with New City, and hopefully we can get a better turnout next year. I mean, hell, I, I, all I care about is. Renovating the upper deck, please, Maggard, give us the answer. I know you got somebody listening. Give us the freaking answer. And if we can just get a consistent 20 to 25,000. I'll, I'll take 20,000, 20, right, in a 30,000 capacity stadium. I'm fine with that. I am totally fine with that. Got
1: to start, like, start somewhere. Got to start somewhere. Build it back. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's all I got. Thank y'all for having me. All right, Terry. Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah. Oh, By the way, let,
4: uh, can I just mention one thing? Yeah, Megan losing money. Okay, she's talking about Creole food better than she's Creole food is better than Cajun food.
6: I'm from Mississippi. I know that. I, I know that.
4: Bro, you putting you putting tomatoes in your gumbo and you are talking about
6: nah, nah. Megan
1: making money is a barstool nah. girl trying losing to, money. They're losing trying to money. stir up people. That's uh, that's just when you have such a blatantly wrong take. I know who you are. I know what you I, do. I, so I mean, I'm, I'm not even biting on that.
0: I'm from New Orleans, man. So, I mean, we're known for Creole food, and I still disagree. No, Cajun food's better than Creole. Sorry. Thank you. Moving you Megan know, losing I, money. I'm not, lost I'm not buying that. Anymore. Not buying that. She lost
4: money and her mind. That's dumb.
1: Yikes.
4: She lives in, like, Broussard. It's terrible.
1: I mean, it's, it's just terrible. Jacob, couple seconds. What you got?
10: Yeah. Um, hey, you learn something new every day. Uh, I, I was actually in the Pride of Acadiana for three years when I was in college. Um. The current band director is Dr. Jason Missel.
1: Jason Um, Missel, I knew it was something like that.
10: Yeah, and then the assistant director is uh, Dr. Brett Landry. Um, They do they do a pretty good job. I mean, a lot of our focus is like like UL uh, specifically, like the music department. They try really hard to be like one of the top, if not the top, um, music education school, both for performance and like training future band educators so a lot of what they do is very musically oriented rather than for entertainment purposes whereas like at basketball games it's more for entertainment that's just what i that's the vibe that i get um from having been in it now i only was in the band with those two directors for one season uh, because the band director before dr eric melly he came from LSU and he was very serious about like marching band and it I don't know, I really enjoyed Dr. Melly. He and I were we pretty tight. He was um, awesome. He you he, know he he, he he
4: transformed
10: he did. The, the marching Dr. band. Dr. Eric Melly had a lot of pull. Like he, he was, was fantastic. Like the athletic director and things like that. Um, I don't know. I, I I can't speak on I like I don't know the relationship with the current directors and that sort of stuff. Let me let but, me give you but, let
1: me get a little insight on that, okay? When we sure. needed to when we wanted to bring the band to Iowa State they they couldn't do it because there was a money situation. I got in contact with him personally and said, "Hey, we want to raise money for you on Raising Review. We're going to push a a campaign. Jerry, you remember this. We want to push a campaign to raise money. We had a few people already interested. We want to get you guys to Iowa State." About a week later, I didn't hear anything from him and he just simply wrote back, it was Texas. Texas. Excuse it was me. Texas. Yeah.
0: Sorry about that. It was, Texas. I would say we had COVID. We couldn't, we couldn't bring the band.
1: Well, I did ask him about that, but he said, COVID oh. said we couldn't bring a band. Yeah, so I emailed him the next year. They had a money issue. They wanted to bring a pet band or something like that. We tried to do a fundraiser. He simply wrote back. We're not interested. Interesting. I don't. Yeah.
10: I was, I, w- I was, close to Dr. Melly, Like, liked him a lot. Um, I wasn't very close with, with these directors, but that was like my last year being in it. My senior year, I wasn't in band. But as for the same show happening um, as last time, they, they only practice Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So like putting in a new show after a Thursday game uh, or like coming from a Saturday into the Thursday game, that would have been pretty difficult.
1: And that's fair. Yeah. But you knew you were going to play Saturday and Thursday at the beginning of the season. So why don't you put in sure, your best sure. performance?
10: yeah sure yeah that is a fair that's a fair criticism
1: but can i I give a shout out to dr
10: i didn't i didn't watch any of those cartoons growing up so as a band member i wasn't too i wouldn't have been as excited to play those tunes i don't think um but i remember back in my day like some of my favorite shows like melly would write up uh like earth wind and fire shows like some groovy stuff i'm down And, and uh they were pretty fun they were pretty fun and and also this is one thing and I don't know because I guess my last year was Napier's first year as as the head coach but uh, coach Hudspeth, and like along with some members of the staff and some football players they like would come out to like at least one of our rehearsals per year and that really like made there was I feel like there's a disconnect. There always is kind of like that feeling of a disconnect, you know, band kids compared to student athletes. Like, you know, the perception on it. But like, um, uh, we always really appreciate it when, you know, we got some love too, you know. So I I had an interesting uh, experience having worked in athletics with the basketball program and then also being in a band. And then being in a fraternity. Like, I was in a lot of different circles and got to see a lot of different stuff from different perspectives. But, uh, yeah, They band to band. Football team played well. Love tuning in, as always, fellas.
1: Jacob, appreciate you, as always. Uh, it was a good night. Beat the hell out of Georgia Southern at home. Get a little momentum going into play the fight in Norvell's. Guess I'll have to go to Tallahassee now because we might get bowl eligible on the road. So I was, Bruh, starting, but I'm gonna have to start making plans.
4: How great would it be to beat Florida State when
0: in the somebody same couldn't? season
1: that they beat the Tigers? I knew hey, that was coming. Oh, that can really can do fix it, fix this. baby. We can, hey, oh, hey, that would that would be awesome. I'm sending Mike a very long text message about that. <laughs> Listen, you can really fix some stuff around here just by beating the fight Norvels. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, post game was fun as always it's always great to win thank you guys for showing up a little bit in the stadium you know I know the promotions were what they were but came out to support the team and they responded for you good night for the Cajuns Uh, we will see you next week we have earned a break we will be taking it and Nick is shaking his head he did some video like you guys saw he did some video this week so anyway Cajuns win beat Georgia Southern We're on to Florida State. Good night. Go Cajuns.